Hello, Terrell Pickle, episode 31. We're introducing a new subject called college hitter therapy. We're going to talk about Landon Sims, the guy who only knows how to strike people out. Uh, Louis Guillermo, Guillermo, I don't know how to say his name, but he had a 22 pitch at bat. We're going to talk about that. Fernando Tatis, is he a hardo or a hustler? And then some favorite tweet a week from this past week. Check it out. Pickle, 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 episode 31. I'm Bobby Tewksbury. Joining me is Chris Colabello. Chris, how you doing? Hi, Bob. Trying to bring some energy today. Yeah, I look like I'm in a library with a fireplace. I don't know if this position's good for my back or not, but we're gonna find out. We did we did lobby for Chris to start a fire before the episode, but he neglected. He's cold in New Hampshire. Where can we put a uh it's weird how you go over the wrong shoulder when you're doing this? We just put like one of the fire emojis right here, the whole webcast. That would look like a fire. You have to talk to producer Patrick about that one. Just put a fire emoji right there. It would be cool. Every time it cuts cool. to fire emoji. Uh, how you doing? How's your weekend? I watched a college baseball game in, speaking of New England, in Sun Blizzard, Sun Blizzard, Sun. So all five of those things happened during the game. During one game. During one. Well, was, I always I always explain to people I played at least one college game a year in snow, and yeah. they're like, "What does that mean?" It's so like, it literally, snow, snow is falling, and then you're playing baseball. Snow. It was, it was literally nice out, right? We're watching the game, and the first game of the doubleheader ends. And by the way, wait till you hear this. First game that ends, and then I walked inside, and then as we got inside. My buddy that was with me, with us, it was like, he turned around and was like, dude, it's, there's a blizzard outside. <laughs> and he's like, we came in just the right time. Turned my head around, five minutes later, sunny. And I was like, how is this happening? And then it started coming down real good. So we thought the games were going to get banged. But then... Did they just play through? Yeah, as we were waiting for like somebody to come up, probably about 20 minutes, and sun came out and we walked back down to the field. And we're like, oh, it's a nice day again. Just uh, a couple squalls. It's a great word, by the way. Squall. Context. First game finished seven innings. First game finished 23 to nothing. Seven innings. Okay. That's good. When the when the team that was winning was up 18 to nothing, the other team with one out and a man on second base in the fifth inning tried to bunt for a hit. And I, I heard the sound because I just turned around. You know how the distinct sound of a metal bat, like bunting a ball. And I can tell me he didn't just bunt. And, you know, our, the coach is a friend of ours. And I was like, this is real life. <laughs> hey, you got to chip away. Base, you need base runners. Yeah. For a hit. But then you got thrown out on a buffer hit. But then the next inning, the best part was uh, the same team that was losing now down 23 to nothing. One kid had two grand slams in the game, by the way. Um, the, the team that was losing had a runner on first. There's a pass ball, and he goes to second hard turn around second base like he wants to take third it was really funny and i was just telling my my buddy that was there i was like was like this is one of those situations there were two other college kids like sitting there with us i was like this is probably a situation where like if you have to slide it's the wrong play right if you need to slide it's the wrong play very next play ground ball to third baseman the guy on second gives like the, the dance move third baseman throws the first he takes off for third head first slide into third Clap, self clap. Did he get? Did he get one of the, the <laughs> no, hype up his no, teammates? Just self clap. Because a hype up of your team at twenty three nothing. 
Yeah. You're about 23 runs late on that. <laughs> so, but, like, this is the scary part, right? You know what I'm talking about? Like, people not having feel, right? These moments. And then, oh, the, the best part about the, the this, this last part about the game. So, the team that was winning was the visiting team. Uh, it's six and two-thirds. Their, their pitcher pitchers have gotten through. And if he can't – the next – this kid can't get out of the seventh, right, to, to get them their last at-bat so they can play game two. And uh, no matter what he's doing, ball, 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 just can't get, get a guy out. And uh, they bring in a reliever <laughs> at 23 to nothing, right? He brings in a reliever. Like, so he stops the game, bring in a reliever. And the guy comes out. The guy's throws, working. He's got to get to work in. The guy comes out and throws, throws his full eight warm-up pitches. Like, if I was running out from the bullpen there, I would have just run out there and just told the umpire. Like, I would have been like, catcher, crash down. I'm just throwing the ball. Guess what the first pitch was, Bobby? Breaking ball. Breaking ball. 23 nothing breaker, you know, in the seventh. So it was interesting. Really interesting. And then the shocking part about all this, the team that won the first game 23 to nothing somehow lost the second game. That happened. What was the score of the second game? They won 12 to 7. And it was they had gone up like they had gone up three to nothing in the first. So I think this is just typical college baseball. Like now you're, it down. you're thinking it's over. You know why they then, you know why they the other team won? Because the kid set the tone. Taking that extra base, sliding yeah. free, play play every game like it's your last. Or or yeah, the breaking ball there in the seventh. Yeah. Play to win the game. All right, let's get into topics. We have a new segment today called College Hitter Therapy. So we're gonna lay out a stat line, and then we're gonna give advice based on a true story. Boats. Boats, as you like to say. Boats based on a true story. Well, Boats. It's right. boats. That's way better than saying based on a true story. It's boats. It's good. I'm sure that'll catch on. All right. Hitter number one. He's a freshman. He's 11 for 21. Four homers, one punch out. Uh, he played this way into the middle of the lineup. Team is right around 500. Dude, are we supposed to do this like individually or lay them both out? All right. So what do we tell this kid? He's raking. Don't do anything. Pop down. Do less. Do nothing. <laughs> no. So, so I, th- I think the, the key here is the, the emotions of moving to the middle of the lineup, having more expectations on you. I guess the presumption here is that he was not in the middle of the order and he, he's earned his way into a more significant role. All right. So first of all, um, irony, everything's like intertwined in my life right now. Uh, per, co- like person in question that was with me at the game yesterday said we need to start the Pelotero psychiatrists. Because he's like, you know, you do so good at talking to college hitters. So the call, this is crazy that this is a topic. We need to train the brands, right? We need to be prepared for situations. And, and I don't think there's any scenario that actually can make us ready or not have to experience anything in life. If, is that fair to say? Like, I, the experience itself needs to be had before you know how to deal with it, I guess but you can certainly be more prepared for them so that any of the stresses that might come with it would ultimately, I think, be able to be shortened or minimized or whatever. Uh, I think you just let that guy play and, and you just tell him like, Hey, keep going, man. And, and keep pumping his tires every day. Um, just remind him that he's good. I, I would certainly be more concerned at the first time that he started to scuffle. So I, I remember, I'd have some situations where I would start a year so good that, you know, 
you're hitting 462 through the first two and a half weeks. Like at some point, your batting average got to go down, right? Like it's not, it can't, it can't stay there. Yeah, so, his batting average on balls in play, he's uh seven for 17. So that's pretty high batting average on balls in play because he's got the four homers. Well, so I, it's going to go down. His batting average is going to go down. I just think you have to, you have to, I don't know, you have to ride it out and kind of let him. Let him deal with it. The thing is, if you're going to move him to the middle of the order, you better not move him out of there. So that's what I would yeah. say. Yeah, I was going to comment on that. You don't want to put him on that roller coaster, up and down, emotional waves of, yeah, you're performing now, but as soon as you stop performing, I'm going to bump you back down. The one thing that I think this player really needs to consider is how the other team will perceive him. So if you're batting like seven, eight, you're getting cookies, you're getting, you're probably going to get a lot of fastballs to hit. You go middle of the lineup, the other team's checking the box scores. They they know your stat line. You're going to get pitched differently. So, is that true? Like, does that is the presumption if you're hitting seventh, eighth, or ninth, you're going to get a lot of heaters? I would expect it if I was batting seventh, eighth, ninth. Yeah, but now all these college teams have more data than like, they all have synergy and you know, all these freaking play like play by play. Like I was looking at uh, one of our college guys was showing me. I could look at any college hitter across the country for like the last four years. And I was like, I spray charts. But yeah, I mean, I guess. But so again, that guy uh, might come in in the seventh and throw a break and first pitch break. He could, he could. I, I think in that situation, you're going to get pitched differently. You're going to get pitched tougher. Guys are going to be uh, less willing to get beat in the middle of the plate. So you're going to, you're going to have tougher at bats. You're probably going to be up in more situations with guys on more stressful moments. Um, and just the emotions of it. So just, I would say, stay slow with your thoughts. Don't let the game speed up on you. Just continue to be patient and have a plan. If you start thinking like, oh, I got it. Now I have to produce. Then it's, that's bad. You're in a bad spot right there. You just let them ride the wave. And then as it starts to, as the, the, the waves start to crash into one another, then you just try to make it, again, try to make it relatable. I think that's the thing that I could be able to do personally. Yeah, I've been there. Um, yeah, I, I mean, there's nothing to stress out about. It's usually when you start good, it's it's not super hard to finish good, if that makes any sense. Like, you should be able to carry some of that emotion because there's no scenario where it's going to be so bad at this point that, you know, you're you're going to lose your year. You're a freshman who's playing. You know, you're doing really well, doing some damage. So, anyway. All right, hitter number two. He's a senior. He was all conference the last two years. Came out of the gates frozen, two for 21 with a homer and 10 strikeouts. Ouch. Team is struggling. Hang with him. Team is struggling. He's starting to feel the coaches about to panic and switch up the lineups. The senior, slow start senior. Ideal. Hang with him. This is one of those situations where I think I'm different than everybody else. And I, if that guy, that guy's earned his, his stripes with me, I wouldn't, I, I mean, I would try to make that kid feel like he's the best player on earth. Right. Like I, I would just let him know like, Hey, you're hitting second and playing every day. I don't care if you strike out every about the rest of the season. Um, obviously that, that, that player is probably worried about implications of what's going to happen next year. Is he draft eligible? Is he, you know, a guy that's, wants to pursue professional baseball and things like that. So the, the key to the whole thing is relaxing. It's, you know, we, we always talk about this, right? And, and this goes for, for 
for both ends of the spectrum, for both guys, both players in reference. Here, here's your, uh, here's your sliding scale of like too intense, too chill, and like optimal performance level, right? For whatever reason, a bunch of different emotional factors can take you to sides of that sliding scale. And whichever side of it you're on, you have to try to offset it with thought and, and, and feeling on the other side of it so that you can get back to optimal. You know, the guy, the guy that's, the guy that's raking, the guy that's smashing baseballs, like if you taste it himself, like maybe thinks he walks on water a little bit, but the guy that's struggling, he's trying too hard, man. Like that's just a, that's a case of trying too hard. You gotta remember to care enough to not care. Like that's the hardest thing to do in baseball. It's simple, but it's not easy. It's just to chill and like be in the moment. And I'm, I'm actually shocked at how little young players are exposed to the, to the fact that, you know, other people around them are, are really vulnerable and, and have had a lot of these same things happen to them. Coaches don't really make these topics relatable to their players. And I think, I think if young players could understand that the rest of baseball the rest of players that play baseball at some point are either like have gone through it, will go through it or are going through all the same things that they're feeling. Um, I think it would make it a lot easier to swallow. I, I would say the biggest issue is most kids don't even write. They think they look around and they think everybody else got it all figured out. So that's part of what probably makes it worse. If that makes any sense. Yeah. Uh, that's a great point. Um, a coach going up to a player and being like, Hey man, been there pulled through it. You'll be all right. Just that, that easy can be very powerful. The other thing about this, uh, I think the player's body language is going to dictate a lot of the coach's response here. At least it would be for me. If you're showing that you're stressed out, if you're showing that your confidence is not where it needs to be, I might be inclined to give you a day off. If you're showing it, if you're just going up and you're coming back to the dugout after your strikeout, like, all right. Uh, showing that you're making adjustments, showing that you're, you're working at it. I'm not making a change, but if you start, if you start acting differently, if you start carrying yourself differently, that's when I'm going to start considering something. So to your point, I have a question for you. Yep. I've been asking this a lot lately and I'm curious to see what people's answers are. Um, in regards to lineups and getting put into a lineup and, and Patrick answers too. I, I said, uh, if you're a coach, if you're Mike Trout's coach, where's he hitting? Mike Trout? Yeah. I would probably bat him lead off. Okay, cool. Uh, every day? Okay, why? Uh, he's setting the table for everything. Okay. He's going to produce runs. He's going to be on base. Cool. What if he's uh, What if he's like 0 oh, for his last 20 with 17 punches? Is he still hitting lead off? Lead off. What, what about like another 0 oh, for 20 with like 12 punches? So now, so you're not, now he's 0 oh, for 40? Yeah. Probably going to get a day. Okay. Uh, but the next day he's going to get back in there and you're going to lead off probably, right? I, I need to get a sense of my, like Good. his emotional state. Yeah, where I'm going with this. Yeah, he's the leadoff hitter. Okay. Why? Because he's the leadoff hitter. He's earned it. Okay. What does that mean? He's earned it. Well, if a freshman starts off two for 20 and he's getting overmatched and he's making a bunch of outs, he hasn't earned it yet. So – in that situation, probably going to get moved around a little bit. You haven't earned the right to fail. Patrick, you got an answer to this question? Like, so why, why is he staying in that same spot? The point is, wherever you pick, first, second, or third, why why is he going to hit in that spot is my question. 
Do you have an answer or a thought? You might, you might you unmute yourself. I'll, I'll mute. Because it's Mike Trout, and he's he's been the best player in baseball for 10 years. Okay. So what does that mean at the end of the day? And here's what I would say. The reason why you go with him is because you trust him. Whether he's 0 for 40 or 40 for 40, right? Does that make sense? And, and I would say that that's the point that I've been trying to make to college guys and to, directly to Bobby's point. Is that fair? Like, I, like if, if you trust a guy, you're playing, right? Whether he's 20 for 20 or 0 for 20. No? Then the, the conversation shifts to what causes you to lose trust in a player. And for me, that's if I start seeing body language stuff, if I start seeing some like bats getting slammed or helmets getting tossed or just emotions that don't need to be there. That to me is telling me he needs a day off or he needs, he needs a chat. He needs something. That's why I brought it up. Cause I thought what you were saying was great. Right. In the sense that if you're con like, like consistency in baseball, and this is part of the reason why I think college baseball and college coaches upset me a little bit because they, the coaches get really emotional and make decisions that are kind of irrational at times without really thinking about the consequences of it and how it could affect the, the human psyche. I, that's, Man, communicating with young players and, and really like even for a, a coach to not show his ass. Like I, I see guys in the dugout all the time, like, you know, ball one, ball two, and they're pacing up and down the dugout. And, and, and now the kid on the mountain, how do you think the kid on the mountain's handling you walking up and down the dugout being all rattled that, you know, behind a two and oh. So, um, man, the emotion of all this stuff is, uh, it's pretty crazy. Uh, attitude reflect leadership. Attitude. To reflect leadership, Captain. That's my favorite line. He, he says Captain. He doesn't say. He says uh, it's it's you know Williams talking to Bert here. Say attitude reflect leadership, Captain. If you haven't seen, remember the Titans. Watch it. Good movie. Left side, strong side. side. What a movie. Yeah, what a movie. All right, let's. Uh, therapy's over. Therapy session's over. Um, college pitcher Landon Sims has struck out 85% of the batters he's faced this year, 30 strikeouts and 11 and two thirds. I should say 85% of his outs have been via strikeout, 85.7%. Uh, what? Have you seen he's this? Have you, did you watch the videos? No. He, he throws. I don't want to watch uh, that. It's going to make me throw up. He's, uh, he throws gas. It looks like he's got the riser ball and he's got the cutter ball. And he's got the slider ball. He just, he's electric. He throws hard. There was a video of him in, the, in like an off season training thing. And it was like, like left turn slider that the kid just, he swung at a fastball and missed it by a foot. And then he threw like a front door slider and the kid buckled. And then he threw a four seamer in the same window as the, as the, as the front door slider. And the kid swung and missed under it by a foot. It's like this kid, he literally has, he can't swing at strikes. He can only swing at balls and miss them by a foot. He has no chance. I'm assuming like, this guy don't throw many straight balls if he got 30 punches in 11 innings, right? Like he don't throw very many straight balls. He got to throw a slide ball. His straight ball is one of the, he's got one of those yeah. on it. It's got the little, the little giddy up on it, but it's firm. I, I think it's 97. I'm good. Like I don't ever, like I would want to face this guy at this point because it's getting so ridiculous. That, where does he play? Do we know where he plays? I think it's Mississippi State. Yeah, so that's like they're one of the top ten in the country right now, right? Yeah, they're they're very good. So, 
I would want to face him just as like a challenge to see if I could get him. But like one time, I'd be good with like one at that, maybe two. Because approach wise, you got this kid who's just striking out everybody, and he's a he's a he's only a sophomore. That's scary. I wonder if he's a COVID sophomore or a regular sophomore. I think he's just a regular. Yeah, he's just a regular sophomore. Um, if you face this kid knowing he's striking out the world, how does your approach change? I mean, I'd probably try to evaluate why, right? So the thing I tell people all the time, like I'm looking to see if he's getting swing and miss on his fastball a lot. Because if, if he's striking you out, if he's striking people out, he's getting swing and miss on something, obviously. And usually it's not like three swing and miss pitches, right? Like, so if he's getting swing and miss on his fastball, like that's a telling sign to me that, okay. He's getting swing and miss on everything. Yeah, catcher's getting like – catching ball straight. So he's throwing straight balls that obviously have some rise. If you're getting swing and miss on heaters, that means you're throwing invisibles, right? That means you're spinning it, whatever. Um, obviously the other stuff, like I- I'm going to hit off the fastball. If he's that good, I have to hit off the fastball. And the other thing is like, I don't know how to evaluate his breaking stuff. Like I can ask guys, Hey, what's, what's his breaking stuff look like. But until I see it for myself in the box, there's no way that I can decipher whether I'm picking it up well or not. Right. Like, I, it's crazy. Like some guys, you just pick up their off-speed stuff really well. Other guys, you don't. And it's weird who those guys are for certain people. So I'm going to try to hit the fastball my first hit bat. I'm going to work on top of the baseball. Um, like, you know, that like you just got to be on top. got to be on top. You know what I mean? Um, and that's what I would be thinking about there. And then figure out the breaking stuff later. And thinking on top can be very difficult if the guy's got to – a good down pitch, like a pitch that moves downward because <laughs> then you're going to swing over top. It's just, he's, he's got like a, like we used to talk about uh, Estrada where his fastball would go up, his changeup would just fall down and he'd split the zone vertically. He's got more of like a one o'clock, seven o'clock kind of split, but that's still pretty devastating. One o'clock, eight o'clock. Yeah. I mean, I'd probably rake him, but it doesn't matter. It's standard call. I ain't got no eligibility left yet. Yeah. You should have D1 eligibility. You don't have any D1 games under your belt. That's the one thing. I'll always have more D1 hits and homers than you, so I'm proud of that. Uh, Louis Guillaume. Guillaume, how do you say that? Guillaume? Guillaume. Well, actually, it's probably Who, by the way, has Dutch a Dutch passport. It's like Netherlands passport. Yeah. We, we like, tend to think of the world not having, like, colonies now. It's, like, something you learn about in, like – World yeah, but in that freshman year of high school, but we still got colonies going on. I know, I know the the Curacao guys are Dutch, right? That's a Dutch colony, so like that makes sense. Is Bjorn from Curacao? Like, cause he, like, all the Curacao guys are like, you know, Dee's from Curacao, uh, Scope, Xander, Anderson Simmons. Like, I never pictured Bjorn that way, cause he's like actually like. Because they have good names like Angelton he's, Simmons. Uh, he's right? listed as Venezuela. Huh? He's, what? He's, he was born in Venezuela. Exactly. So he's a Venezuelan, Hollandan, Netherlander, Dutcher, Dutch. A, a Dutch Venezuela Dutch. Venezuela Dutch. Yeah. It's, a it's like the Venezuela. Venezuela. It's the Venezuela Dutch. That's why I was so confused because I was like, dude, he's not from Curacao. But maybe one parent is or. I don't know, but yeah. he played against me in the Super Six a few years ago, and I was like, "That's unfair," because he was on the forty man, and it was supposed to be no forty man guys there. 
because he didn't get called up to the big leagues in September, but he was on the 40-man, which is weird. I didn't understand it. Now I know why he's on the 40-man. Service time manipulation, maybe? He's 26, so. He's done two pretty incredible things in baseball and what, he, or what he's recognized for without actually doing anything good at playing, like that I know of anyway. Yeah, I mean, he, yeah, he caught he caught the bat, he caught the thrown bat, and now this twenty two pitch at bat. My, I got two comments on this. I think it's getting way too much play time. Like it's a twenty two pitch at bat. He walked. The bench went crazy, which I thought was fun. Uh, he won the battle, which is fun. Um, but the the other thing is just like, have you ever had the at bat where you just cannot square up the ball, no matter what? You're just you just are swinging. You feel like you're on it, and you hit foul ball. You just no matter what, you just cannot square. Yeah, up. bro, twenty two is a lot though. Yeah, like twenty-two, like twenty-two is like four at bats. He used Hicks, Jordan Hicks, entire pitch count in one at bat. <laughs> That's funny. A lot. Like that, I mean, twenty. This is impressive to me because I think. All right, so this is a, 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 a kind of goes hand in hand with what I was talking about before. This just becomes one of those guys that you see well. Like Jordan Hicks is nasty, right? And he throw like hundred and fourteen or something like that. That's hard. So. Like that dude's nasty. He's a, he gets a ton of swing and miss. Um, the fact that you're like, this is a guy who you're being able to to put balls in play or sort of foul balls off at least in battle and battle and battle and compete. So I think it's a really telling at bat for young players and, and and what should be happening more of what should be happening because it's it's easy to concede in those situations. But everything. What what's the hardest part of the bat? Fouling off all those pitches or not swinging at the last one? Because uh, I think you get into swing mode at a certain point. Yeah, probably, probably that I would say because I mean that's that means he had 18 consecutive foul balls. Is that right? Because you were at two two. Uh, at... I don't know the I don't know the breakdown of the bat. Was it two two? I yeah, think it started 0-2. Uh, he, had to, he had to get so I think yeah he had a so he started 0-2, and he had a couple foul balls in between balls. I guess it doesn't necessarily mean he had 18 consecutive, but it depends on when he got to three two in the situation. He probably had 10 in a row at least. Uh, yeah, it's nuts. Like that's that's crazy to think about that many consecutive foul balls. I just remember having certain at bats in my career where I just couldn't. No matter what I like, no matter how hard I was trying, I could not square up the ball. It was like a slippery ball. But I think what I would say is that I think every 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 time that you you follow the ball off, you gain a little more confidence about. You get on time. You get on time. You're seeing it again. It's not like you're seeing a hundred for the first time. You're you're just in rhythm. You gotta take a hard time out right now. Hard time out. Just got a text message. It's gonna knock your socks off. Text messages in regards to the current New York Yankees game that just started probably 20 minutes ago. Aaron Hicks comes up to bat. What did he walk up to bat to? Return of the Mac. And whoever, yes, like the person that just texted me said, tell him he better copyright that it. He better copyright that. What do we, I, I don't even get it. Is that a. I'm sending him a text right now. Is it, well, he's playing baseball. He probably won't get it. Is that a, do they pick their music in spring training or is that just a. Hell yeah, you pick your music. No scenario where you don't. Maybe he's just thinking about you. He knows that's your song. I'm gonna say, uh, I'm hearing, I'm hearing rumblings. I'm gonna let him know. Do you feel like you've been infringed upon? Yeah, a little bit. Like I feel like you should call and ask for permission. 
How about returning back? I, when I went to the uh, Iowa Michigan Iowa Michigan game last week, walk in the stadium, first song that plays, return to the Mac. Listen, I wouldn't even like. I, I think everybody has the freedom to walk up to any song they want, right? I'm not saying I'm not being Hicksy's kind of my guy. Um, I walked out to return former the Mac. Roommate, for he's a former roommate of yours. He should know. Yeah, I walked up to return to the Mac for 16 years. It's not like I I I was like oh like I mixed it up. I think everybody should walk up to Return of the Mac all the time because it's the greatest one-hit wonder in the history of the universe. You know. What about a, that thing incredible. you do by the wonders, the own eaters? No, I mean, stop it! Don't don't say stupid stuff. <laughs> That's like stupid words. Like Return of the song. Mac, is the greatest hit wonder ever, dude. Don't. I mean, there's, there's no scenario where you can be right here. So stop. Anyway, like, yeah, I feel like Hixie owed me a call. Now we can't post this on YouTube. We're going to get a, a YouTube. We're going to have to pay for access to that song now. No, that wasn't even a song. <laughs> Did, are we now talking to Luke Colabello? Did you, the, the, <laughs> you just transformed into Luke Colabello so hard. I cannot wait. I, I'm going to gift that. That um, That is, thank you for doing that. Thank you. That was incredible. I'm my father's <laughs> bro. <laughs> I'm mad that I'm just let's get back to the point that I'm mad that Aaron Hicks walked up to return the Mac today and he didn't tell me about it. Okay. Who texted you it? Who texted you? John Murphy. I, I, I can understand how you would feel infringed upon if he if he just like picked that out of a hat, like a random oh, I'm gonna switch up my walk up song and go with maybe he wanted to feel hitterish and it's a compliment to you yeah you ever think of that he's trying to get his his c's going he's trying to cc 20 rake yeah maybe i'm also waiting for a text back from him because i'm trying to send him meatballs silvana meatballs on dry ice in the mail and an overnight but he, he hasn't answered my last text so if you want my mom's meatballs you better just like you better answer a text Shame we'll, on we'll you. tag him on We'll, we'll tweet them, we'll Instagram them, we'll Snapchat them, we'll TikTok them. What if we just we, what if we just ask everybody that watches the show to tag Aaron Hicks about meatballs? And return them out. Yeah. Yeah, let's do that. Call to action right there. Uh, so 22 pitch at bat, I'm over it. Like it happens, 22 pitches. It's cool. But everybody... It's yeah, it's it's... I get really tired of the Twitter trends. The when the entire Twitter hit baseball Twitter audience just downloads a video and posts it as their own, and they're like, "Oh, this is baseball!" Like I'm done. Like it was, it was cool at bat. I get it. You won. I thought the bench going nuts was the coolest part. Alonzo, polar bear, just ah, LFGM, hyped up. Do you think the uh, Do you think the Mets are gonna be good this year? Side note. I think they're going to be better than they were last year. That makes sense. They're better because they have better players. Yep. And they have a new front office. Better support. And my friend Kevin. Yep, KP is there. And my friend Francisco. He signed a bat for me and said, I'm the best locker mate ever. So whoever is sitting next to him in the locker this year, you're not the best locker mate. I am. It's good. I thought you froze for a second there. You just hit hit the freeze. 
Did you see this uh, Fernando Tatis? Very still. Did you see the Fernando Tatis Jr. Uh, just just made a run happen? Did you see it? Infield single. And then how do you get the second? I forget how to get the second. The whole base running saga there was incredible. He went second to third on on uh, he went first to third on a ground ball to like the third baseman or whatever. Was it a shift like, on or something? I forget. I watched it. I just know he the it was like, tagging up on the short fly ball to the second baseman. He went first to third on a slow developing play. Like it was like something like a ground ball, they threw the guy out, but it was like a slow roller, and he just went first and third. And do you, then he do you think this was a good idea? Do you think he would have done this before he signed his deal? Is this too risky of a play in spring training? Do we really need to? I think Fernando Tatis plays the game with a reckless abandon that allows him to be awesome. And I think I love the fact that he did it in spring training. I think the implications of would he have done it or did he do like before he signed his deal? Like I don't think any of those played a factor into any of this. Ooh, that was a burp, by the way. If, I, think, uh, I think Fernando Tatis Jr. is an absolute savage. I agree, and, but do you think spring training is the right time to do this? I think when you play baseball, you should play baseball. See, I, I feel the exact same way, but the business of the game, the business of this guy just got mega paid and they're trying to win a World Series this year and getting hurt by trying to tag up on a short fly ball to second baseman. I mean, pick your spots, maybe. Let's stop worrying about all the poo hoggy that comes with getting hurt and this crap. Like, just play the game. Like, I get it. It's spring training. Should you do it? Maybe not. I don't – like, if you're young and you feel loose, like, what the hell's the difference? Just play. Play hard. It's awesome. Like, it's great. Like, you made a highlight. Like, that's what the the game is about. The dude is a savage. Like, he swung at a 3-0 pitch in the seventh inning in a five-run game, and, like, he, he just plays, man. Like, that's what he does. Like, and that's why I respect him. And that's why I don't have a problem with him getting the money that he did. Like, the dude is a baller. Period. I yeah. wish, like, more people need to play like that. I love it. I love the baseball play. I don't – like, if I'm a Padres fan, I'm not thrilled that he's doing that in spring training. I don't care what you think. Like, you have – like, it's one of those things – and I, I mean you, Padres fan. I don't mean you, Bobby. Technically, I don't care what you think either, but whatever. So, like, the point is – we say this all the time. The way you do anything is the way you do everything. So, if you have to flip that switch all the time, then, you know, it's not real. It's not real. And people can see through it. That's just what I feel about it. All right. I'm hashtag proud of Fernando Tatis Jr. He's become it's my great baseball play. He's become my favorite player. I would have before play. this, I would have said Lind- Lindor was my guy at shortstop. But now I think it's a one A, one B situation. All right. Uh last topic for the post show here. I've been sending out a bunch of tweets. I got kind of like a nightly tweet thing going on, just asking questions. I asked, uh, would you rather be on a winning team with terrible team chemistry or like a 500 team with outstanding team chemistry. So I was asked to provide my favorite answer to date and Brad McKay at Brad McKay eight on Twitter said as a normal human whose on field success will never matter to anyone but me. And this took a long ass time for me to realize being on a team with amazing chemistry is much more important than being in first place. You'll value your teammates long after you forget the standings. What do you got? I don't think I've ever been on a team with great chemistry that didn't win. That was my thought as well. And I was, uh, some people pointed that out. Um, 
you can be on teams that are competitive, but it, I think if you don't have that chemistry, it's tough to persevere in moments uh, that really matter. The teams that I played on that had the best, like, and what, so to me, chemistry, it's just one of those fake words like that um, men and women use with one another to just say that I don't like you anymore. Right? Like, oh, there's no chemistry there. Um, chemistry is a science. Uh, it's analytics, uh, analytical science, analytical chemistry. Um, look, at the end of the day, it's about liking each other and respecting each other. Like, draw, it's, it's, a, it's, it's this paradigm of, can you hang out with these dudes? Do you like them enough to be able to go between the lines at 705 and like respect their game and respect one another so that it becomes abundantly clear that you're trying to win the game instead of just worrying about yourself. And then like you can go back in the clubhouse and not be best friends and like still bicker and yell and fight and argue. 2015 Toronto Blue Jays, we're not all best friends. I promise you that. I certainly have some good friends from that team, but there was something about the fact that at 7.05, we knew we were going to go out on the field and get it done. And what I would say about all those guys in the clubhouse, for the most part, or like the majority of them anyway, like you could kick it with them on any given day. Like you could kick it with them. Like, you know what I'm saying? It, you, 22 out of 25 guys on any given day, like I could have spent like ample amount of time with and would have wanted to get to know them. Or maybe even 24 out of 25. I, I, I don't know. It's tough to say. Like I'm just – I'm trying to think if there was a moment that like would have harnessed me and I don't want to speak openly without being honest. So um, at any given point in time, I want to hang out with those guys. I wanted to get to know them. And I think that was true across the board. And even if, if it wasn't that, like you certainly weren't judging the guy next to you. I think that's what it comes down to. You're not going to judge the people on your team for being different than you or make them feel uncomfortable. When I was in Minnesota, I felt uncomfortable. I felt like I was being judged every day. I felt like, People were looking at me weird. I had to walk on eggshells in the clubhouse. Like we were incapable of winning. We were incapable of it. No matter how talented we got, we couldn't have won. Not unless the culture shifted. I'm in Toronto with the apps. Yeah, I think the, the better question there is about culture. I, I don't know how to even rephrase it, but the culture around you, it's more about respecting your teammates and liking them. And trusting in moments that they're going to be there, that they're going to execute, that they're going to compete, things like that. Well, I would say the two things that really, like you have to respect somebody's way of going about it, right? Like, like So Edwin Encarnacion would like before stretch, he would go sit, he would sit in the first row of seats, right? Like outside the, like just off the edge of the field and he would chill out and he was always super quiet. Like he talked, but it wasn't like, outward, loud, everything he did was super calm and chill. And you could look at a guy like that and be like, he doesn't care or like, why isn't he taking a leadership role or whatever? But like, he was just allowed to be himself. Like he didn't have to be anybody else. And he theoretically allowed other people to be themselves. Like he allowed me to be my loud, annoying Chris Colabello. Like, and if I talked to him or I talked to somebody else or I was talking too much that day, they never made me feel like I was an ass. They just were like, okay, like, great, now shut up. Like, let's go play. You know what I mean? It wasn't like, oh, you're a turd. We're never going to have – like, it's like being brothers. Like, at the end of the day, you have to love each other even if you hate each other. It's also, and like, just personality types. And if he's not going to be the loud attention getter, there were other guys on the team that were 
that were compensating ample, for his lack of yeah. ample attention getters. But it, so that's the, I mean, like I said, so when when push comes to shove, yes, I said it again. Um, what you really want is for people like to just be allowed to be themselves and not feel awkward about being themselves. And then I think really great things can happen. Well, that's it then. That's Pickle. Episode 31 is in the books. That's it. Bye. Pickle out.